Welcome to the Every Gamer Podcast. My name is Nick. And I am Skitch, or Ben, you know, however you know me. <laughs> yeah, so today, I'm pretty excited because we are, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. There's mm-hmm. actually a ton of video game news to go through right now. But we're uh, one of the things that's been on my mind lately is expectations in video game play. So Nick, I've got a scenario for you. Sure. Uh, what are your two favorite beverages, like the beverages you enjoy drinking the most? Oh, gosh. Uh, honestly, water is number one. Okay, water. And then number two is probably beer. <laughs> okay, so let's imagine that you've got, you're at dinner, right? Yep. We're going to dinner in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you're at, you're sitting at the table and you have a water in front of you and you have your favorite beer in front of you. You like both right. of these drinks. I see, I see where you're going right? with this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's say you don't you're not looking where you're uh, where you're reaching and you think you're going to drink water but you actually grab your beer. How does that beer taste? Oh, it tastes terrible because uh, I don't expect my water to be effervescent <laughs> and bitter and hoppy. Right, but you like all those things. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Like if you knew that you were drinking the beer, you sure. would be really excited about drinking that beer and how it tastes. Yes, if if I knew it was coming. If you knew it was coming. Yeah. Right. And that's Basically, want a listener, whoever you are, I want you to do the same experiment in your mind. Maybe you've had that experience yourself. I love drinking. I like water. I like Dr. Pepper. I like sweet tea. But if I go to drink any of those things and I'm not expecting that flavor, it tastes horrible yeah. at the beginning, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring this up because I'm going to talk about expectations yeah. when it comes to video games. And I want to use Anthem as the example. Sure. So I I watched some reviews of Anthem, and I think that Anthem was very okay. Like, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't garbage. It wasn't a dumpster fire. Like, like there are some games that have come out that have been really, really poor games. Mm -hmm. Fallout 76 was a really poor game. We talked about that in the last episode. (coughs) Excuse me. But um, Anthem wasn't a bad game. It was a very okay game. Like, it... It did. It did things fine. It functioned okay. Like it had some technical true, issues, yeah. but it was it was a good looking game. Uh, like the the mocap and the um, voice acting were all great. Yeah. But one thing that's been really criticized on is its story. Yeah. And people are like, it's got a terrible, horrible, awful story. Yeah, it feels incomplete. Sure. Right. Yeah. That kind of stuff has been said. But the truth is, it doesn't have a terrible story. No. What it has is, is a story that's not as good as people expect from Bioware. That's true. And so when they come, they go to play Anthem, they're thinking Bioware has made Baldur's Gate. Yeah. They're thinking Bioware made Mass Effect Trilogy. Mm-hmm. They're thinking Bioware made the Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. And that's the story that they're expecting. And then they get Anthem's story. Well, that's, which is, that's, been, that's been the main focus of, yeah. of most of their games is story. It feels like Absolutely. they started out with story. And that's then they it. built the game around that. That's it, exactly. They told a good story, and they proved that they could tell stories across different genres right. of games, right? Mass Effect, really, I mean, it was a third-person RPG, which is not necessarily like, maybe that wasn't the first one of those that's ever made, but, yeah. and maybe, uh, you know, they did Knights of the Old Republic, but they didn't do a sweeping story across three games. And as disappointing as the third Mass Effect was, it really had, I mean, this the story arc was truly incredible, sure. right? So they demonstrated that they could do it across different genres. Um and so people expected, if anything, that the Anthem story would be really strong. Sure. And I think that it came out okay. Right. But because their expectations were so high, it was terrible. Well, in very specific terms, um, they were saying that you're going to have 
choices and dialogue that were going to affect the story. Now and that, yes. What they ended up doing was giving you uh, an illusion of choice. Right, right. But it really didn't make any sort of difference whatsoever in, right. in any other dialogue or part of the story. Which ultimately is the main issue with the Mass Effect 3 ending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. This it's, illusion of choice. Right. It didn't matter what you did. All, re- all that really changed was you got a different color. Yeah, the colors. <laughs> and then maybe this uh, human was uh, part cyborg instead of just fully human <laughs> right uh, yeah right. And, and that's that's the thing it's like so i've made a bunch of choices that ended up in getting red blue or green yeah. waves of light over the galaxy. over seven over seven years of choices <laughs> right. Uh, right yeah yeah that's a that's a really good point because i mean expectation really impacts how we approach game and you, yeah. if we come into uh just like apex legends we talked about this during the last last podcast we had no expectation because we didn't even know it existed. <laughs> yeah. And then the game drops and we play it. We're like, oh, here it is. This is oh, freaking this is amazing. Yeah, I have no expectations. Yeah. yeah, same thing. And I think part of it goes back to expectations that people built up about the game. Right. Um, one thing like I think was massively problematic, it had the same issues as mm-hmm. Destiny 1, Destiny 2, and Division 1. Oh, yeah. But at that point in time, expectations were so high and gamers were so tired mm-hmm. of given a, being given a like half baked product sure. that they don't want the game to be complete complete in six months or a year. They right. want it to be complete when it releases, mm-hmm. right? And so I think Anthem, my heart almost breaks for Bioware. It really does because if if Anthem had come out when Destiny One came out, right? If those roles were reversed. Yeah. I think everyone would give Anthem a whole. I think the review would be totally different. Sure, sure. Like right now. It just feels like a really, really incredible tech demo. Um, sure. It shows that the systems can work, but it needs to be balanced. It needs to be refined. The story needs to be more complete. The loot systems need to be... Well, more importantly, yes, all those things are true. But one of it is, the big thing is, it needs to have learned from all those other games. Absolutely. And what they've produced doesn't show that they've learned from it. It's like, well, it's the same kind of jump from uh, Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. Again, right off the bat, it wasn't feature complete. It didn't oh. feel. I mean, it, they had a good base for a game, but it took them a year to kind of develop it, and then they started adding those things that people just loved in some of the DLC, and then Destiny Two comes out, and it feels like they wiped the slate clean instead of starting with what they had. Mm-hmm. They just wiped the slate clean, and they're like, "Oh, here's a whole different game." Right. And that's not what people want in a sequel. If it's a sequel. You gotta expect there to be a lot of similarities to the first game. Right. There can be improvements like the jump from Mass Effect Two from Mass Effect One oh, or even yeah. Mass Effect Three from Mass Effect Two. I mean, the ability system was similar, but it was oh, much so improved much and refined. So yeah, much better. the ability to uh, jump over things uh, <laughs> or like because I think that was a big. I think uh, Mass Effect One you couldn't you couldn't even climb over obstacles. And like one of the last planets you visit in Mass Effect. This is a side note. Sure. But like. You get into an area by dropping down a five foot hole. Right. Like, and you can't get out of that hole. Like, you have to go through the tunnel that that leads you to get yeah. anywhere else and to get out of that planet. Sure. You have to, I mean, like, it's fine. I would have wanted to go through the whole story in the first place, mm-hmm. but it just seems ridiculous that, like, I'm, I'm especially highly trained galaxy agent sure <laughs> and like in the game I, I drop five feet down and i'm like well i gotta go this way now yeah because <laughs> i can't jump out but i think that's just the interesting thing about it is like like let's say if destiny had come out 
Um, De Destiny 1 came out with a totally terrible, I mean, like a bad story. Like, it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And, like, you don't know why you're fighting what you're fighting and all that kind of stuff. But what Destiny did right was it felt good. The mechanics were there. They were solid. It felt good to shoot. Mm -hmm. So at, at the end of the day, like, yes, Bungie has made some good stories. Mm -hmm. Like Halo Reach, I think, was a really strong story. Oh, yeah. I think the original Halo had a strong story. But at the same time, like, you're doing things. You don't really know why. Like, there's a lot of stuff there that, like, I, don't, I didn't play Halo because the story was amazing. Sure. I played Halo because it felt good to shoot stuff. It's fun stuff. to play, yeah. Yeah, it's fun to play. Mm -hmm. They get the mechanics down. That's what Bungie does. So if Destiny had come out mm -hmm. and they had an incredible story, right, and a great loot system, but the shooting fell off, yeah, people would not be like, oh, well, it's, the shooting feels kind of weird, but that's okay. Like People would have been really upset sure. because Bungie knows how to... Bungie knows shooting mechanics. Sure, yeah. And people would have been like, the shooting mechanics are garbage because it's not what Bungie is able to do. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing in Anthem right now is that Bioware knows story. Right. And the story they have is okay, but that means garbage sure. on, on, at Bioware's level. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you need to have a more nuanced interpretation of things. I think you should, I don't think it's, I mean, we've joked around about calling like Fallout 76 a dumpster fire yeah. or whatever. I mean, there's nuance there. Sure. There should be, I think. But, um, you know, and so anyway, my whole point is just to say, like, it's just fascinating the expectations we bring into our video game experience that then influence the way that we uh, explain that to other people. Sure, absolutely. I mean, there's there's even a correlation there between, like, what's happening with publishers and developers. Like, uh, EA, we just found out they, they just like let off, like, 350 people. Yeah, yeah, they let off, like, 350 people. And uh, Activision laid off uh, 800 people earlier this year, but... It's because, not because they're doing poorly, but because they didn't meet the expectation, like the, the right. projected the, profits, right. which that is that one of the- That means a failure. That's one of the dumbest things too, because it's so short-sighted. Um, how about you shoot for the, uh, for the year or for two years, just because you don't make your projected, like, fine, if investors get mad, they get mad, but you gotta, they gotta- see this as not just every quarter how is it doing because that's not how game they take some of the games take six seven years to develop i mean you right. look at a game like um uh, star citizen i mean they've been in development since 2011 and they haven't even released a, <laughs> yeah. a full game i don't yeah. i don't even know if they've released a beta yet but that's like i mean some of the games are seven years and then you expect to see how it does in a quarter projected of a quarter and then you so that's that's the biggest thing that's happening. I think with Anthem, it's rushed out. It's not complete, and then because a publisher doesn't think that this IP does as well as they wanted, even though they have a court like a, a record year previously, they mm -hmm. didn't lose money. They mm -hmm. still made a buttload of money. They didn't meet their yeah. their expected goals, and then they lay off hundreds of people. And it's it's a really really stupid and short sighted way to look at the games industry. Well, that's the I mean. Honestly, that's the way that industry works. I mean, sure. I mean, people are looking at quarterly stuff anyway, and that's just translated to games. And it's such a, it's such a messed up system because all the so many developers are not developing because they want to get rich. They're mm -hmm. developing because they love games and they want sure. to make games. And then you have the business side of this, which is run like a business where they they have investors that they have to answer to, and like legally have to answer to. Sure, you know so. Like, I get it, and at the same time, it's sickening because, you know, you have CEOs making millions yeah. upon millions of dollars, and they're 
and they're just laying off people because it's it's cutting the fat, you know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean that's, and I understand like if your system is not working as efficiently as it can, I get that. But then you're also, it's like you're 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 separating the idea of these are people. Yeah. Right. These are people with lives and families, and they're not making anywhere near as much as the head honcho mm-hmm. is. And then you know you get these classic examples of people who have proved that you can do differently. I can't remember the guy's name. But he was the uh, he was like the, he was the lead at Nintendo, and when the when yep. the I think it was like the 3DS tanked or what like maybe it was the Wii U. It was it the was Wii both. U, or both of them. Both, yeah. yeah, he cut his own salary to keep <coughs> jobs because he wanted to protect morale, and he wanted. I mean, it's like he wanted to do the right thing. Yeah, he, he did. He, he made, did it twice, and he made plenty of money. So it's like, why can't you just? Why don't you take a hit so those 350 people don't have to lose their job while yeah. you restructure things so they can do something more productive for the company? Yeah, what's well, it's interesting, he, he did that because he thought that in the long run, um, or if he did that, it would... Uh, it would hurt morale. It would hurt, hurt morale yeah. and cause a decline in quality of their product. Absolutely. And that's, that's and absolutely it true. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of... Uh, devs that work for Activision and EA that are scared that they're going to lose their job yeah. if a product doesn't do well this quarter or this mm-hmm. year. And then you have those developers that have been laid off and they're trying to find another job and they're right. going to be so stressed out thinking if I move across the country and I'm in this position for three months and then they lay me off because the game I'm, I'm working on isn't doesn't do well as they projected. Right. I mean, you're, you're creating this system where where I'm seeing now a lot of push for unionization, unionization oh, yeah. in the games industry, which huge now. which you know I have my, I, I see the pros and cons of both sides of of not using unionizing and, and unionizing, but like this is where the um, certainly the seems like guys like you to, would be more protected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it sucks that we have to get to this point that there's oh, such yeah. an imbalance in in Power. from that from the higher up yeah. down. And I'm not saying those people that are higher up shouldn't be able to make that kind of money if they're you know taking on that sort of risk and they've they've worked hard to get into that position. Sure. But the thing is, like, if the people below you aren't being taken care of, you're wrecking the foundation of your business, and right. nothing can stand without the foundation. Well, because I mean, and I don't want to get too far away from the topic we sure. started on, but. Ultimately, like if you're the leader, it's it's like if your product is failing, it's not the people who I mean, like the CEOs of Activision, Blizzard, and and uh, EA Games are not going to be hurting. Sure. No. If if a product fails, they're going to be fine. Sure. It's these people who like in marketing or what or whoever the multiple places that were cut from Activision, they're the ones that are going to be paying for it. Right. And that just it just seems so unbalanced, you know. Sure. And anyway. But we could talk about that. We could talk about the inequities right. in the gaming system. But or, that that all comes. But. That all relates back to expectations. Like yeah. a lot of these jobs are being lost because of not meeting the projected expectations right. or the expectations of these games. Which makes me think, and that, um, this is going to be a heck of a transition for you. <laughs> uh, which gets me excited because Bungie pulled away from Activision, and yeah. honestly, I've never seen it. I've never seen a developer take their IP away from the publisher. Yeah. I mean, like, and keep it. Now, as far as I know, Activision, you know, Activision never owned Bungie. They mm-hmm. worked with them. But it is shocking to me that Activision never owned or wasn't able to keep the rights to Destiny or, or that Bungie was able to negotiate in such a way to be able to hold those rights for the Destiny franchise I th- and pull away from it. 
th- I think they they I think Activision did own the franchise, um, or at least part of it. Publishing th- rights for sure, but but I think yeah. because of how poorly Destiny Two started off. I think that's again short-sighted. Right. They right. probably thought this isn't worth keeping. We're going to lose more money on it. Right. Let's get rid of it. Well, I think that is true because if you look at when Forsaken came out, mm-hmm. when Destiny Two Forsaken came out, Activision came out in their earnings call and said that it had performed. It was disappointing. Yeah, the performance was disappointing. Not because it didn't sell a lot. It sold right. a lot. It did well. It just didn't do as well as they expected it to. Exactly. And so now you have these games who are moving out and they're saying, okay. You know what? And from what I understand, when they announced that Activision and Bungie were splitting up, yeah. people in Bungie's office were opening yeah, bottles of champagne. Yeah, they were excited. Like they were super excited. And I think it's probably because they had these grueling publishing schedules. Yeah. And when you're when you're separated from that, you can produce these super high quality games mm-hmm. like Red Dead Redemption Two, where it's like, I mean, Rockstar didn't produce a game for a long time. Yeah. And then Red Dead Redemption came. At, you know, it's like when was the last time they made a game that didn't get a perfect ten? Right. You know, or, or Nintendo, like yeah. they're able to release a Zelda game every four or five years, but it's always a good game. Yeah. People always want that game. It's it's, and I think that they have a good situation there where they they don't put undue time constraints for those short term yeah. goals. And a game. This is your transition. Yeah. And a game that may have followed in the same footsteps is Borderlands 3. Oh, man. <laughs> Which, you know, we have... <laughs> Borderlands 2 was released in, what, like 2009? That was a long like, time ago. I don't know, maybe ago. 2011? It was a yeah. long time ago. And uh, <laughs> and people have been wanting a third one to come out. We just didn't know. I think yeah. it was like last summer, uh, Randy Pitchford came out and like did a... A tech demo, basically showing like some of the technology they were doing, and yeah. it looked like it was from a Borderlands game. Yeah, it was. It was. They're showing. I remember this, but they didn't say that. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, it like looks so much like Borderlands, but they're like, it's from an upcoming project. We're not telling you what it is. You know, but like, it's that uh, cell shaded yeah. art, and you know the the artwork and everything looked. But they're like, you know, this is just the the what we're working in. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And then uh so so then it, I guess it was PAX East, is that what this, so. this conference was? Yeah. And so uh they they came out and they finally announced Borderlands three. Right. And the internet collectively lost its crap. Like Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, like I think it's it's coming out. At the beginning of April, isn't it? No. So that was some confusion. They said more information is coming on April oh, okay, 3rd. Gotcha. But it's like, see you on April 3rd. And I was watching a stream, King of Thalion stream, when that happened. And he was about to have a conniption. Like, he thought that they were saying April 3rd. <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought so too. I, I visually could see the panic in his face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he wanted it, but it yeah. also would have been insane. Yeah. Uh, and I think it would be kind of crazy for them to announce a game like Borderlands 3 and then come out five days later right. or whatever. I mean, Apex Legends I, announced it, and then it came out the next day. I think if if they did something like that, and they just released it like a week a week later, I mean, pretty interesting. They, it would sell. It would absolutely oh, sell. Absolutely, it's and gonna like, sell. No screw, matter what. Screw the whole like pre order thing. They would sell tens of millions of copies just because. Yeah. People love the Borderlands franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like from Borderlands One to Borderlands Two, I can't remember what the differences are in the games. But the mm-hmm. games are so good. It's like, yeah. why does it have to be a completely new game? Like, why can't I expect right. Borderlands? Well, that's the funny thing to me, man. You're talking about expectations, yeah. high expectations, right? So we didn't know Borderlands 3 for sure was a thing right. until what? Like thir- Thursday, Friday? Yeah. Um, today is Saturday, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so we didn't know Borderlands 3 for sure was a thing until a couple days ago. And then it's like already we have these people coming out and they're like, me, like, yeah. like nitpicking things. And they're saying, like Polygon released an article talking yeah, about how big that... of a disappointment the Borderlands 3 trailer was because it just looks like Borderlands 2. And like, what you... it pissed I'm just me like off. dumbfounded. I... I'm like, I don't like Halo 2 because Master Chief looks the same as he did in Halo 1 and it's a first person shooter and it takes place. And it's like, what do you want a sequel to look like? Yeah. Should a sequel, like, should it be a card game? Like, <laughs> like what, is, what is, should it be so you can feel like you're making a big enough improvement? Right. Like, the game looks a lot better. I, I'm sure that they're enhancing the technology. They've already announced that it's going to be on multiple worlds. All these things are different and improvements to the former editions of the series. Yeah. And, that, and it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just that, dumbfounding. That, I usually don't respond to, to high-profile tweets like that because I, I just... I don't you know it's clickbait. Yeah, but the, the thing is, like, I do. I looked. Yeah, <laughs> the comments were top tier. The um the original tweet had like six hundred likes or whatever, yeah. and it's like I counted like five comments that were trolling them yeah. that had over a thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I I actually looked at the article and I was like, I wonder what you know what's what's he seeing that no one else is, and uh, essentially he was just saying we want a new. He was expecting a new game. Uh, and I was like, he was like, he was saying that he didn't see any differences. And then later on in the article, he was saying, well, yeah, maybe you get this difference, but it's not this, or maybe you get this difference. It's not so this. weird. It's and like, you get four new char- brand yeah. new characters. It's obviously in a different story. There's different worlds. There's different weapons. Like yeah. it's a Borderlands game though. Like what do you, yeah. he, he, I think he said at the end of it, he almost wished they had announced a battle Royale mode right. because that would be different. It's just so stupid. It wouldn't be different. That's what everybody's doing right <laughs> and now. And it wouldn't be Borderlands. Yeah. It would be, I mean, I loved Randy Pitchford on the stage when he said, listen, battle royales are cool. That's not what we're doing. Yeah. You know, because it was like, he wasn't saying, ba- you know, battle royales are garbage and people shouldn't do that. Like, I think, I'm sure he's a fan of games. He probably plays Apex Legends, you know, mm-hmm. and having a good time. But that's not what Borderlands is. Borderlands is an awesome looter shooter that you play with friends with a good story. Right. And if they deliver on that stuff and it's bigger and, and, and honestly, like Borderlands 2 was a great game. It was. Like, like yeah. if it had the same stuff, just in a different setting with different characters, right? I'd be happy. And the thing is like, I don't see the thing is whenever I play a Borderlands game, I super, super enjoy it because I don't have any like sort of expectation for it to be any sort of Mass Effect game or Destiny game or mm-hmm. any sort of game other than Borderlands. Um, the but story is, is great. It the, was great. I mean, Borderlands 2 is one of the most memorable game yeah. stories I've experienced. The, the characters are memorable. Absolutely. The 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 humor is very much tooth uh, tooth and nail. Not tooth and nail. <laughs> tongue and cheek. <laughs> tongue and cheek. <laughs> tongue and cheek, not tooth and nail. Uh, that sounds painful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's that humor that humor everybody can people. laugh at. And it it laughs at itself, and I think that's yes. so great. It's and over again, the top, it's like it's ridiculous. You know, we're they're not trying to reinvent the the first person shooter genre. They're just mm-hmm. like, let's do it how we do it, and then let's you know let's make these these guns. And that was part of the article. the The guy was like, they're anchoring the whole thing on their guns, and I was like, oh, yeah. So like four seconds to the mention the loot mention you know anything about the loot well i mean like it's fine if they do though borderlands is amazing because it's like (laughs) i saw something somebody tweeted out uh something like if if you had a it's like if you had a cheetah gun 
Like if you had a gun that was named Cheetah in uh, Destiny or whatever, it would do something cool. Yeah. If you had a gun named Cheetah in Borderlands, it would shoot cheetahs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like you know, like and that's yeah. the cool thing about it. It's like I've never played a game where I have an automatic rifle and it literally shoots rockets. Yeah. Like 30 rockets in a clip to go blow something up. Yeah, and that was the fun part about it, is yeah. just like finding these new weapons exactly. and cycling through them and seeing which one even even wasn't the best, but what was the most fun to play. Yeah. Um and And so if you if, even if they are saying like we have a billion guns, like it's it's I'm sure it's not a billion different weapons, but it's different roles yeah, of weapons absolutely. that can make up a billion combinations. But if that's what you're saying and they bring the same humor and the same power fantasy, yeah. it's like, yeah, you can you could set up that game on that. Absolutely. Because it's a Borderlands game. Yeah. Like if it were named something else and they were trying to use different characters and different art, then expect a different game. You know, like it, Battleborn. Not, yeah, don't, <laughs> like they did that. So that they no, did that with Battleborn. Look yeah. how well that turned out. But that's the thing is like they didn't build up this huge marketing scheme for like no. you know this is what it's gonna. So like the I, I actually saw, saw your tweet the other day. Yeah, yeah I like that. Um, I saw uh, an anthem trailer on on uh, Instagram <laughs> and it pissed me off because most of that trailer was just flying mm-hmm. and then there was like two seconds of combat, but that was it for the whole trailer. Um, yeah. And it kind of made me mad because it seemed like they were doing the hard sell on the game and wasn't showing exact, you know, more of what it was. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's where EA is kind of going wrong with these games. They they're great at marketing, at like pushing these games out there, but then because there's such a disconnect between what the developer can provide yeah. in the amount of time yeah. that they have. Uh, it's it's that same thing as what like no man's what happened in no man's sky mm-hmm. they actually did make everything that the uh ceo sean murray oh yeah sean murray, i mean everything that he went on that tour and and was telling everybody about they actually did do it but they didn't do it within the time that was given to them right and you know it was one of those things to where you had to you have to quell expectations it, it's one of those things to where if the game's good, and if you have this background like Bioware does, or um, Gearbox does, like mm-hmm. you don't need to have this huge marketing campaign. No, just I mean, let the game be good. Borderlands Three, yeah. If the game is good, I mean, the game is going to sell regard ridiculously mm-hmm. anyway because it's Borderlands. Sure. And this does play into expectations because part of what I'm seeing is people are saying it's just good to see the king of the genre back. Yeah. You know, and the truth is. Borderlands Three could come out and it could suck. Right. I mean, it could be really bad. Oh yeah. And I don't, I don't know how they could do that after sure. like six or seven years of developing and preparation mm-hmm. and working on it. I really don't know how it could come out and be that bad. Because you know, I honestly don't. I don't think they would have announced it or released it if it was in a bad state. Sure. I I, I think that they waited until it was done mm-hmm. and now they're releasing it and they're ready. And so. My expectation is that it's going to be really good, sure. and a lot of people are, are feeling the same way, but it's one of those things where I, I've learned to be somewhat jaded now, and so part of me is really excited, right. and the other part of me is going, like, just, well, you know, we yeah. just don't know. We just don't know. Like, well, I like, was convinced that Destiny 2 was going to be great, because Destiny 1 learned so much and improved so much over the course of the life of yeah. the game, and then it came out, and it and I was in denial at first, but it was a shell of the game. Mm-hmm. It was a shell of the game that we should have gotten. Yep. And when they finally brought back Forsaken, they fixed almost everything. But it took a year. And you're it's one of those things where it's like now that this is a sidetrack, but 
now that Bungie is separated from Activision, even if it takes two or three more years for Destiny 3 to come out, if it comes out and it's ready and they finally have a good launch, mm-hmm. I think they can I think they can really knock the ball out of the park. But anyway, all that to say, I'm really excited about Borderlands 3 coming out and I'm, sure. I'm excited to see what they do. But some of the reactions have just been ridiculous. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's a funny thing. You take a game like uh, Cyberpunk 2077, um, yeah. they'll release just a little thing uh, kind of telling about the game or whatever and... A lot of the comments are just like, take your time with it. You know, we'll yeah. wait. I'll wait for the game. Yeah. We'll wait. And that's the thing. Most people that that want a good game are willing to wait for it. Yeah. And so, so listeners, I, if you're not familiar with uh, with uh, Cyberpunk 2077, it's been made by CD Projekt Red, mm-hmm. and they made the Witcher series. Yeah. And they they're an independent publisher, so they they release games on their schedule. Yep. And I've seen that happen. I, like right after Fallout 76 came out, I think, or Anthem came out, one mm-hmm. of the two, where there's a lot of Frustration over releasing a half-baked game. Yeah, they they came out with some kind of poster, and it was like it's coming out when it's done. Right, <laughs> and I think Bethesda, um, even even them, they're under Zenimax, and so they're not Bethesda Zenimax. completely. Bethesda not, is a publisher as well. I think that. They, yeah, yeah, but but again, it's like it's one of those things to where they they did a beta uh, for seventy six <laughs> beta, but it it didn't seem like it mattered. So it's one of those things to where they should have let the beta play and then once they got the feedback they should have said okay this isn't the game that we need to put out let's hold off on it yeah um and i i can't imagine why they would want to push it out if it if it got such negative feedback other than other than their higher up saying we need to release a game because it's expected to to sell this we need to do this and i think part of it too is if you if you release i mean most of the people who are going to play a beta are people who are already interested in the franchise yeah absolutely and so i still I mean, after the game came out, I still saw a lot of people who were big Bethesda fans. Mm-hmm. And I love Skyrim. I mean, I played the yeah. heck out of that game. Uh, so I was a fan of Bethesda. I mean, I still am somewhat. But it's like they... I wonder... I saw so many people put up red flags yeah. that got quashed by other people who were saying, it's a beta. They'll yeah. fix all that stuff. Right. And it's like, that's not how a beta works. They don't fix fundamental qualities with the game nope. in two weeks they can fix bugs right they're trying to fix game breaking bugs yeah that's and that's it. it I mean like it's a stress test ultimately yep. is what it should have been called because mm-hmm. um, I remember the first beta I experienced was Halo Reach mm-hmm. and I could actually give feedback to them about how guns felt and all that kind of stuff because you didn't have these live patches coming out every few months or whatever to change the feel of the game and so in that regard, the beta that we but the beta we did was months in advance. Yeah, you know, and so it's one of those things where they can make big changes like that if they have to, but you can't make fundamental changes to a game in two weeks. Sure. And I think that that's part of what happened with Fallout seventy six is that maybe they did get a lot of negative feedback, but they probably got a ton of positive feedback. Sure. Or just saying like, here's a bug, but we love it. You know. Sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's that's the really hard part about you. You just don't know where these developers are at. Um, yeah. I'm sure that after working on it for three or four years, you're probably just like, oh, this is the finish line, and then to to have to push the finish line by another year would probably be pretty yeah. morale, um, hard hitting to, to morale. Yeah, probably so. Well, and also, I mean, if if you are an independent publisher, you probably have to release games at a certain cadence to be able to keep money flow going sure. through the studio, and mm-hmm. so they probably thought. Listen, we, this is as much time as we can get Fallout 76 before we have to release a game. Because right. they're coming out with some big ones in the future, uh, Elder Scrolls Six and mm-hmm. Starfield. Uh, and so they probably had to get some cash flow into the studio and they released sure. a game that wasn't ready. Well, it's one of those things to where that's why it's that's why they should continue to do 
smaller games. Like yeah. they did Fallout Shelter, which I think is still doing well. Mm. Um, but I mean, mobile games, uh, they should, I mean, a lot of developers should pursue mobile games as, as a good way of, of having a yeah. steady cash influx. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, I mean, EA, they, they do that. They have mobile games, but they've got the, the sport side of things that yeah. are constantly bringing in money. So there's no reason yeah, for them to... to game is ridiculous. Yeah, but. there's no reason, reason for them to push out a game like Anthem and Mm-mm. and for it to be incomplete they should they should let that be in the oven a little bit longer yeah they and, should and finish should. out but i think you're right i think it comes down to short-term rewards sure. and so instead of i mean they did uh, delay anthem's release i think a full year yeah uh, and it still came out the way it was sure. so it's like one of those things where yeah i mean at a, at a at a point like ea probably shouldn't have pushed it but they also allowed them to develop that game i mean Early on, I mean, mm-hmm. it took six years to develop. Sure. Now, th- does that mean they were coding for six years? No, I don't mean that. But right. I just mean that they had six years to produce this game. Sure. And release it. And and I think like so at a certain point, it's like EA gave them a lot of opportunities. Right. And, and I, it, it could uh, some of that could could lie in the hands of uh, Bioware as well. But I, I don't know if game developers do this, but they should be doing like a, a closed beta where they bring in like. 60 to 100 uh, streamers or high-profile gamers and have them come in and play the game for for like a week or two weeks and say, all right, tell us what you think about the game. Story, gameplay, did you find any bugs? What are the things in here that you hate? What are the things that you love? An extended play test. Yeah, yeah. and, and then like after that, and I think Bungie did that. Bungie did that with... With a, sort of. So they did a community summit yeah. where they, they brought a bunch of content creators and also just community leaders, whether they mm-hmm. they whether they were on YouTube or Twitch or just forum people or, you know, people who play the game a lot. Right. And they brought them to this is this is a super cool thing. They brought them to the studio, I think I don't know, like six months before Forsaken yeah. came out or something like that. It was a while. Right. And asked them for feedback about certain ideas that they had. It was it, maybe not six months. It was months before Forsaken came out, though, and let them play some stuff. Right. Um, and then basically just had long uh, conversations with, like, right. there were some that were broken into smaller groups, some that were, like, the full group of people were there. And it was, a, I mean, it was a, well, a lot of people. Like, why, why can't they be doing that, like, once a year? Um, because so the streamers, the high-profile people, are they going to be the ones that sell the game? So they are doing it. I mean, Bungie's not doing the same level. So yeah. I mean, I don't know what other um, developers are doing or sure. publishers are doing, but Bungie's still doing it, but on a smaller scale. Sure. So from I, I hear periodically, like probably every month and a half, two yeah. months, like five, six uh, community leaders of some kind, sure. like people you have heard of and people you haven't and never will hear, hear of, right. you know, are, unless you like follow forums or whatever, they go to the studio and they play test stuff and they mm-hmm. get feedback. And so I think that Bungie is, I think, honestly, I think they're being pretty smart about it. That's, that's beautiful yeah. because like, it, it's good to have Q and a, that's, it's great. But Q and a, they don't play through the game most of the time. It's mostly just do this one thing, yeah. do it repeatedly or try to do this and try to repeat this bug. It's not playing through the entire thing. Right. And I think having those people who do game uh, professionally and streaming, yeah. you need to bring those people in. Uh, I was watching a, a, a Noclip documentary on uh, Astroneer. And okay. it was fascinating because small indie game, uh, when they released it um, as a open beta, I think it was, yeah. um, a, I think it was Ninja or some other high-profile streamer uh, streamed it and played mm-hmm. it, and everybody loved it. And they ended up getting like thousands and thousands more purchases oh, just yeah. because of that streamer. Oh, they're very aware of the 
buying power that influencers bring. Sure, and that, and that was that's part of um, Bungie. Like when they brought those those um, did that summit, um, I saw posts by all sorts of people saying like. Uh, I can't show you what we just saw, but I'm really excited about the changes. Yeah, and yeah. there's, I mean, there's a big marketing thing there that they didn't even have to pay for, as in just bringing these people mm-hmm. in, play the game, tell us what you think, mm-hmm. and getting actual real feedback about the game, yeah. not just a section of it or a yeah. portion of it. And it was, it was really important. We're jumping around a lot, I know. Yeah. But, and part of it's because um, we have so many games to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so let, let's go. We're, we're, we're short on time, so let's. Why don't we shift our gears a little bit and talk about some of the games we've been playing? Because my time has been split. <laughs> well, first, let's get into the division, yeah, which I guess fine. this will segue. But you've been playing my the time division. has been split. It's been divided <laughs> by two. By... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been. I, I've been playing. Well, you've been, you were super nice and bought me a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was I mean, ridiculous. Too nice. Sure. I mean, Way we, too nice. we we have a group that we play with, and um, we're trying to start this this thing where we can kind of put in, and if someone like, can't, like a community bank. Kind yeah, of deal. and if if someone can't can't purchase maybe an accessory or a game or a DLC that we can, which that was based off of you buying me Forsaken when I couldn't afford right, it. Right. Um, which I am is pretty great. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a great beard. It's amazing. I do have a great um, beard. <laughs> But that's a that's a really really cool idea. So Division Two, I was like, I you were on the fence about getting Division Two or Sekiro, and then I think there was a. No, one. I was thinking Sekiro because I really that I don't know why, but that game looks so cool to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I really have never been a, a Dead Souls or mm. or sorry Demon Souls or Dark Souls. Fan. I even got the name wrong. Dark Souls. A Dark Souls fan. I Bloodborne. played I played some of the the first Dark Souls. Yeah. And I th- I was just doing stuff and I was like, I don't know why I'm torturing myself. Like I don't <laughs> understand what this world is or why all these nasty looking creatures are around yeah. or what I'm doing. And here comes so like the big thing for me was that the world didn't draw me in mm-hmm. because I didn't understand the story or what was happening. Right. Sekiro, like it doesn't look like it's heavily story driven, but it's there. Right. And I and I also love the idea of dueling. Sure. Like and you're a samurai, like well you're a shinobi, but you're like you're dueling a lot and right. it just looks freaking awesome. Well, that's the thing, you you sent me a message. You're so like, yeah, I, I don't know. Split between yeah, I don't two, I don't know which one one to get and I told you I was like you know, I think I'm gonna keep calling it Sekiro, but it's probably Sekiro or whatever. Come on, man! I don't even have Japanese. I'm, I'm like Japanese I'm three quarters Asian, and I don't know, <laughs> know correctly. Uh, but yeah, I told you uh, Sekiro was Sekiro. 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 I play that game. Sekiro. <laughs> We're in Alabama, guys. So uh, yeah, I told you that game was gonna be probably slower pace. Might be a lot more fun to stream. Yeah. But it's gonna probably be more story driven. Good single player. Uh, game, but yeah. Division Two is kind of opposite. It's going to be really good to play with people, yeah. a lot faster paced. Um, but you know, it just depends on what you want to do, uh, where you want to play. And I, I, it wasn't too big of a deal to me because I've been I played Division One with Elliot like for years. Yeah, yeah. And I played uh, you, pl- I played you played through the campaign and I played right. a little of the end game. Right, much. and and that's the thing. I think Division Two is best played with people, um, especially. Yeah. Uh, you know, from Division One to Division Two. Division One was still fun with with friends, but Division Two, I think it's crucial yeah. um, to be able to play tactfully with a team. Yeah. Because of the way that the AI moves and and the the abilities, you know, the synergy that you can create with with your abilities and your teammates' abilities, and um, just the way the level design is too. Mm. Um, it's incredible. Uh, the game. Yeah. And yeah. so 
the way Skillet described it, which I thought was really interesting, is it plays more like XCOM than Gears of War. And that if you if you ever played XCOM, um, it's it's a tactical, uh, turn based, um, action game in a sense. Right. Like, but you you control characters by telling them how many spaces they can move, setting them up in certain strong positions to be able to increase like protect them, but also increase their uh, opportunity to kill yeah. enemies. And if you're not smart, you'll get obliterated. Absolutely, like you'll get. It's a very it's a merciless game if you mm-hmm. don't play well. And uh, Division Two is like that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's not like Gears of War. If you run in guns blazing, you're going to get blown apart. But if you are smart about your placement, if you use your abilities well, if you communicate with your team, you're going to have more success. And so I, I do yeah. agree. It, it's one of those things. Like, I really appreciate you buying the game for me, and I've, I've been, I'm enjoying playing it. It's not. It hasn't hooked me the sure. way other games do, and I think part of it does have to do with that world stuff. Like, sure. I don't care about the characters. Right. I, you know, I just don't. I don't care about the story a whole lot. But it is super fun to play with, like you and and Jojonato uh, and Man Pony. Like, I like getting in there right. as a team and just goofing off and having fun and, and and killing bad guys. The combat is super fun. Yeah, I mean, th- it really is. I think that's the funny thing about it. Even like, I think right through the all through the main missions, there's not really much story driving it. It's just <laughs> it's not. You're just trying to retake Washington D.C. You're a sheriff. Go kill these guys. Yeah, you don't even have. Name your no. your your player's not even named. No. They just call you sheriff, and you don't speak or anything. So there's no <laughs> narr- There's not. I mean, like, there's really not any narrative to care about. No, it's, it, just like, it's just a basic shell of one. But yeah. that's the thing. Like, that's it's so interesting that um, Division Two, uh, as you know, comparing it to Anthem, uh, Division Two just feels a lot more complete, a lot more solid. Yes. If you look at the if you look at the betas for both games, Anthem beta kind of sucked. Like it was great to fly around and shooting was was okay, yeah. But it felt like just a a, a shell of, of what the game should be. Yeah. But the Division Two beta was amazing. You I played, didn't play the beta in Division Two, but yeah. it it was great. Like you, they they walked you through the first mission that you play in the actual okay. game, yeah. and then there was a side mission that you could play that was like uh, recovering the the Constitution. Oh right, um, that does sound pretty fun. And it was it was really fun because or is I, it the Declaration of Independence. Declaration of Independence. Like, I can go full Nick Cage. Yeah, and it was it was <laughs> yeah. It was it was great because I I felt like this was the game this was yeah. this is yeah. the full game, uh, and uh, division or anthem just didn't feel like that. Um, yeah. You know I, I I was like if this is a game that they're gonna release, uh, this is gonna be super disappointing. That's why right. I never bought it. Right. Uh, but Division Same. Two, like the beta was just it felt so good. Yeah. Everything felt much improved. It felt like Division, but you know it wasn't a whole new game. It was more of what I loved of the Division 1 right. and everything was improved. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it, my expectations were 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 fairly high for Division 2, but um, the game was complete. It felt complete. And Yeah, I mean, um, and I, I'll, I, what I'll say about the Division is 2 is that, um, honestly, if I can be in combat, I'm having a good time. Sure. It's all the other stuff I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, Honestly, I gotta say this: the UI, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I get it. It's a little much. It's so much. Like yeah. there's so many different panels to click, and so you know, it's like it's hard to follow for me. Yeah. Uh, 
it's fine. Like, because it's a different game. It's an RPG sure. more than it is a looter shooter. Yeah. You're, you're meant to min-max your character, and they, I think they provide you an opportunity to do that if that's what you're really interested yeah. in. That just personally doesn't appeal to me as much. Mm-hmm. Like, I like having whatever works best, and then I like to go into a mission and kill the bad guys. Right. And killing the bad guys is freaking fun. It like, is. Like, I really enjoy that stuff. Combat is fun. It's tactical. You have to be thoughtful about it. You feel powerful, but not super powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, all that stuff is great. And the world events are cool. I like that the world feels lived in. If you're taking over a control point, that's yeah. super fun. And like, it's dynamic because, yeah. like, there was, I think there was one point where I jumped in and we got ambushed after we took a control point mm. by a big guy. We weren't expecting him, and he just showed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, what is this? What happened? And I was like, "It's this is an ambush. Uh, I, you know, and I, I think his I, name I, is Ambush. Yeah. <laughs> I only encountered it once, but I, it, we, were in the, we were in a subway we were or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and we you, just this guy just, control point. Yeah, he showed up out of nowhere, yeah, and uh, you. I think you you got surprised. I, I love that because that shows mm-hmm. the world being dynamic. Yeah. It happened to me when I ran out of a safe house. I got ambushed by yeah. some people, yeah. and I wasn't expecting them, and I was like, I, I'm, I can just stand here and just shoot them right. and I got taken down in a hurry because I can't just stand out in the open and expect to just t- mow them down Right. but it just makes the world feel dynamic there's uh, other uh, events where you have to go find uh, a specific guy um, a target and right. you're you're running between different places until mm. you can. So it, it gives you an area to search for through the bad guys, and you can run up. And if right. it's not one of them, you have to still kill them and then go find the other guy. Yeah. And it's really cool. And then when you find him, you can try and take him out, and there he'll he'll take off running if he doesn't. Mm. You know, mm. if if he can't fight you very well. Yeah. So you have to pursue him and and try to take him out. But that that feels so a lot more dynamic it doesn't even though this is a big open world game it gives you small goals and things that just pop up and happen yeah, that's cool like the um the 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 loot boxes that that drop out of the sky and you have to try and take them oh before yeah, the yeah, takes yeah. Them. Mm-hmm. so cool i have never been able to finish one by myself uh but that's a that's a cool idea that <laughs> yeah, you're trying cool. to prevent them from taking the loot and you're trying to take the loot yourself and right. they're doing the same thing yeah uh but it or makes a world public feel execution real. or like a lot of the stuff i mean it's fun to play yeah it's really it really is fun to play it like i feel like a little slogged down by the ui mm-hmm. and by like min max and the character but if i get that stuff done and then i can just go and do stuff like right like combat is great and uh and from what i understand it's really rewarding like yeah. exploration every part of it None of it feels like busy work or futility. Absolutely. Everything serves a purpose, which mm-hmm. I think is really, honestly, it's genius. I mean, it's genius game design, especially at the scale that it is. I mean, I was, yeah. I was watching a review, and I thought, man, they did all that. Like, that's really, it's incredibly thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly impressive. And so, you know, it may not yeah. be, the, like, my favorite game, but it's a solid game. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's, and it's, honestly, it's the best looter shooter that's been released since, Borderlands 2. Yeah, that was the thing. And with, as far as like at release. Yeah, with, with I mean, going from 1 to 2, one of the biggest complaints was the world felt a little empty. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they've completely nailed that. And the thing was, like, I enjoyed Division 1. I enjoyed it for years. Yeah. And I played it for a long time. And then what I was expecting out of the sequel was just, give me Division. Just give me better Division. Right. And don't, you know, don't completely get rid of those old things that you did that were great. Right. No reason to rewrite it. Mm-mm. This is what I'm expecting from the game. And if I can get that, then we're good. Anything right. past that is going to be amazing. And so the game, for me, I've, it's, it's you know exceeded my expectations, and it's been super fun, super, super, super fun to play. So. It's, it's been really cool to see a game be released with 
full features. Sure. Well thought out, yeah. not rushed. I mean, I mean, honestly, it feels like a complete game. Yeah. On release, and they're adding to it. Right. And I and Skillet, what he said was that it's it's the new benchmark for the genre. Absolutely. You know, if Destiny Three comes out and it's not feature complete, mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's. It, yep. It's gonna fail. I mean, because people are tired of this. They're tired yep. of. It goes back to the expectation thing. That you know, people. I think people were pissed off at Anthem. For different reasons, but one of them is that it didn't feel like it it learned from the lessons from the other games that were released in the same genre. Yeah, and it released in a in a state that really it shouldn't have been released in, mm-hmm. and people are tired of that. And yeah. uh, and the fact that Division Two came out and said it can be done. Right, <laughs> you can have an a sure world looter shooter game, and everything can feel purposeful. And it can work well. It can be te- technologically sound. Yeah. I mean, one of the cool things about it is there's one loading screen. Yeah, that's the best. There's one loading screen. Yeah. I mean, unless you fast travel. Yeah. And those fast travel screens are short. Yeah. You know, so it's like, my, my thing is like, I love Destiny. But if Destiny 3 comes out and I have to spend five minutes flying to the next location, I'm going to be so annoyed. Yeah, no. I'm like, update the technology. Ma- yeah. Optimize somehow, please. Like, make it where I don't have to spend forever in orbit. Because we spend a lot of time in loading I don't, screens. I would do not want to know. I'm terrified to know how many how many hours of the f- like total hours yeah. I've played that game or those two games. Yeah. I've spent in orbit, waiting on a queue, or flying to the next location. That's a funny thing. I think most people are playing switches during the load screens now. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll go to their switch <laughs> and play Breath does, of the yeah. Wild yeah. while they wait for the load screen. Now it's not as bad as Anthem was. Anthem sure. was like every aspect of that game was broken up and by yeah. load screens and really messed it. Like in Destiny, at least if you land on Titan, you don't have to load anymore once you're there. <laughs> <laughs> like for the most part, you're there and you can just run around and, and be be free. But Destiny Division. Yeah. Incredible. You load once at the beginning. It's really not even that bad of a load. It probably takes about a minute at the most. And then you're just in the world. Well, that's the thing that's so crazy about that. Yeah, Division proves it can be done. So does Red Dead Redemption 2, GTA 5. Those worlds are so I don't count those games. I don't count, like, those games I don't count because I don't know what Black Magic Rockstar is practicing to do what they do. Yeah, for real. But they're, they're doing something that is not normal yeah and they were able to do it on the 360 they did that on the 360 i don't know how like honestly it it was released and i thought i I don't i don't understand like there's no other game that does this yeah right whatever they've done to optimize this or whatever engine they're working in they're they're tech wizards but well i think that's the huge thing is um ea is frostbite everything they do is frostbite and mm-hmm. i think that's a huge issue like i've heard that because frostbite they're, issues, yeah. they're they're forcing their developers to use a tool yeah. that it's it's might not be the best for the game that that they're trying to build so um right. but yeah i mean I, I think i think expectations can can hugely affect how we play the game how we receive the game here's a question for you about expectations yeah borderlands 3 gets announced it's an Epic Games exclusive on PC. Do you care? Not really. No. Well, you play on Xbox anyway. Yeah. But, like, there's so much drama about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are like, Epic is so anti-consumer. You know, they don't have all the features that Steam does. They're making yeah. these games be... And they're making these games be um, exclusive on this launcher. Yeah. And part of me wants to be like, listen... This is not exclusivity in the same way that a console is. You don't yeah. have to buy. You don't have to buy a four hundred dollar console to be able to play this game. Yeah. If you don't have that console, like you can still you download an Epic Launcher. It takes like ten minutes. Yeah. 
like I understand like some of the things they're missing, like the community stuff is missing. They don't have yeah. They, yeah, they don't have achievements or reviews. I, like I'm the only system I play games and I care about achievements on is Xbox. Yeah. They're the first ones to do it. They're the only ones I care about. If I play a PlayStation game, I could not give two craps about how many trophies I get. In the yeah, game. Right. I don't know why. I just don't care. I um, think uh, and it's like the biggest thing for me is like there's no modding community. Yeah. Yet, and I think that's a super cool thing that Steam does. Sure. But if I if I want to review, I'm not going to read a user review on Steam. I'm going to yeah. watch YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Or I'll check out IGN or whatever. And so I don't care at all. And and part of me really gets annoyed at this because I want to be like. Why is no one pointing the finger at Steam? Yeah. Steam has been taking 30% of the cut of profits that are of games that are sold through their launcher for however long they've been around. Epic comes out and says, we're going to take 15. And if you use Unreal, we're not going to charge any. I think it's 12%. Is it 12%? 12%. And is it is it if you use Unreal, they don't charge anything? Uh, they... I th- uh, I can't remember. I think they do. It's it's way reduced. It's reduced. I thought it was like five percent. If you use the Unreal Engine, yeah. either they, they they either don't take any cut or they it's a reduced cut, sure. and it's already at twelve percent. Part of me is like you cannot. In the long run, that is gamer friendly because that enables the developers to be able yeah. to make the games they want to make at a, a lower cost. I think, I think the uh, Epic Game Store is great. I think it can be really, really, really good for the industry. Yeah. My only qualm that I have about it is just how they're going about it. So games that are already announced to be on Steam, now they're making exclusive for Epic. I don't like that they're uh, essentially poaching. I don't like that that's happening. Yeah. I don't really blame Epic for it, honestly. I don't. I don't. I, I blame. I, I blame Valve. The part of me does, honestly. Yeah, I think the blame. Some of the blame uh, should lie with Epic. They're putting the offer out. Developers. Well, the, I think it's a little difficult for them the, to say no, but yeah. they need to say no. Ultimately, if the publishers have made an agreement, they need to stick to that. Sure. I agree with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But another part of me goes. If you don't want, like, if the game hasn't been announced, like, if Borderlands 3 comes out and they're mm-hmm. like, we're going to go to Epic Store mm-hmm. because we're, they're going to take 12% of our profits instead of 30. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Like, they're, they're going to take a tenth of our profits as opposed to a third. Like, that's insane. I think it could be spun differently to be like, what if uh, Epic, what if they did it like this? Like, that money that they're going to save from being on the Epic Store, they can release another DLC. Yeah. Because of it. That's what I think. Why don't it's they like it enables they... them to be able to run their studios with more profit coming in. Right. Which is better for developers. Yeah. Which in my mind is better for gamers. It's in the long run it's better for gamers. Yeah, absolutely. I think Steam offers like I th- I mean Steam offers some great services, don't get me wrong. But I think that there's not enough conversation saying that Valve bears part of the responsibility for this for sure. charging a third of the profits that developers are going to get from from sales on their launcher. Mm-hmm. And if they don't adjust, they're going to continue to lose big games to Epic. Yeah. And eventually it won't be games that have already been committed to Steam. Yeah. They won't have been committed to anything and they'll go to Epic. Mm-hmm. Because why wouldn't you? Right. And that's, that's kind of a, a, a big thing is that's just a normal. I think Xbox is the same. They take that kind of cut. Yeah. I think PlayStation's the same too. Yeah, probably the um, same. It sh- I don't think it should be that high because that's a huge chunk huge. Of, of change for yeah. uh, a platform that isn't doing the bulk of the work. They just it. they just know that it's how they're the gate. Yeah. They're the gatekeeper. They're the, gate, they're yeah. the uh, and <laughs> and devs are, devs and publishers try to make their own launcher, and the Origin launcher is <laughs> not good. <laughs> Blizzard's launcher is fine. I mean, yeah, I'll use it for Destiny, but. 
it's like Steam obviously has got got some things that are done really well. Yeah. And I can understand why players want to defend it, but at the same time, I think you 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 got to put some blame on Valve. Sure. They they need pressure, and that's one of the biggest things is yeah. when there's not competition. Like whoever's there, they can do whatever Valve they want. Valve can charge thirty percent because right. there's no competition. So. And what they should have been asking is is this? Oh, well, I mean, part of it is like they're a business, and so they're gonna do what they can to increase yeah. profitability. Um, but at the same time, they can really be hurting the industry by doing yeah. by doing that. Yeah. So. Um, well, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, listeners. About a lot of things, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I'm curious about your expe- your your experiences with games and expectations. Yeah, is there a game that you can look back, try and be objective, and think, you know what, that game was probably okay, but my expectations of it were super high, mm-hmm. and so I, it really jaded my experience. Like, is there a way that you could go back to that game and maybe look at it from a different light? Yeah, I, like, absolutely. I, I wonder. I, like, I'm I'm trying to think about that for myself. Is there a game I could look back and say that really wasn't that bad? Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. we can definitely do that and think of why why were your expectations uh, so bad on that game? Yeah. Like, was it or so uh, high? I mean, not, yeah, it's not really bad to have high expectations. Sure. But, yeah. But uh, like, what was it? Was it just the culture? Was it the time that the game released? Was mm-hmm. it the other games that were released with it? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that would be a, a really good question for you guys to kind of ponder and, and uh, get back to us on. Yeah, let us know. You can uh, you can t- uh, uh, we're on Twitter at where. Uh, the EG podcast. Right. And same thing with Instagram. Yeah, and, and I'm, uh, at, I'm at Sketch Two Five Six on Twitter. And uh, I have a Twitter too, but I can't remember the uh, <laughs> the name of it. <laughs> Nick J. Wells, I think. I think you're the Nick Wells. That's uh, Instagram, I think. That's also your yeah. Twitch handle. But don't look me up on any of those because I'm not interested. He's important. He no, I'm just kidding. I think Twitter is Nick J. Wells, at Nick J. Wells, and then Instagram is the Nick Wells. Hold on. Hold on, audience. Hold on. Boop, boop. Boop, 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 You're at boop. Nick Capital J Wells. Nick J Wells. Everything else is lowercase. Yeah, and then Instagram is the Nick Wells. I don't know. Yeah. I remember that for sure. I'm at Sketch Two Five Six on Instagram too, but full disclosure, never check. Yeah. But the actual <laughs> podcast is the EG podcast. Yeah. Um, for both. Yep. So uh, yeah, uh, look us up, follow us, and uh, start commenting. And uh, we'd love to have conversations with you because Absolutely. the whole point of this podcast is to. Talk about the human side of gaming. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're here. And just have fun talking about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you for listening. And, uh, we hope you guys are going to have a good rest of the whenever time we, we see you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Y'all take care. <laughs> <Okay>. Bye. <laughs> Bye.